Yo. Hello. Hello. Hey, um, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't have a weird intro this week, but I did want to begin by saying that Dom, Dom's anti the weird intros, and we ran a, a non-biased poll, and eighty-seven percent of respondents were pro the weird intro. The National Party gets the most votes every election too. It doesn't mean that is a good thing. My weird intros were polling like Trump in Florida. <laughs> so welcome back to another episode of How Not to Be an Arsehole. Um, Dan's here, Todd's here. We just interviewed a really awesome, amazing guest. Um, um, she's actually the the person who dubbed this podcast How Not to Be an Arsehole. Boy, do I know it. She doesn't let me forget. Yeah, she, speak. she really, um, it's not even that great a claim to fame. Maybe w- once we blow up. It's a pretty good name. It's a good name. but it's Probably it's, the best thing about the fucking podcast. But it's not like naming Apple or Microsoft or anything. It hasn't like brought fame and fortune to us yet. Well, it's given Dan something to do on a Tuesday night. <laughs> given me problems with Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you to all the new Patreon subscribers. Mm. Um, thank you so very much. Uh, the what are we doing with the Patreon? Well, we're only I would say a couple questions away from being able to give you a bonus episode. So please so send in your questions. Send us a few questions. We really want to do a bonus episode, but we need you to provide the content because we can't. Exactly. There's, There's all a good this other content. There's only so much content that we can make. Yeah, and that's your like, help. That's the really good reason we have for that. Speaking of patrons and questions, last week we had that question about privacy and tracking apps and whatnot. And another listener, Amanda, sent us this really good article written by I'm gonna fuck this up terribly, but Yuval Noah Harari. And the article's called The World After Coronavirus and that can be found on the Financial Times, which isn't usually where I would go. <laughs> for, but it is a really good article. And it kind of speaks to that topic way better than particularly I did, but also both of us did. And um, so if you're interested in some good reading on that subject, I don't reckon people are coming to this podcast for sagely advice anyway. I think they know that they're going to get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, speaking of sagely advice, you're starting a zine with... Um, Josh? That's right. Yeah, so if anyone um, wants some advice, so basically Josh Solomon, he's a tattooist. Um, and we've done a, we did a book called um, Party Tricks and, uh, no, what is it? Party Tricks, I can't even remember. Party Tricks and Boring Secrets. Um, and about six years ago, and now we're doing a new thing. And it's, so if you've got advice that you want, answered in the form of poetry or weird kind of medieval erotic art, um, get in touch. <laughs> Amazing. So, once again, we're available on all platforms. You probably know that because you're listening on one of them. Uh, like, subscribe, do all that shit. Please help us out. As we can't express, because we're not very good at being earnest, but we can't express how much we appreciate that. Sign up to the patron. We have some, or particularly one big project in the works, and that... that um. That financial support is going to grow this podcast into something But also, if, if the greater. listeners have any, any ideas for bonus content that they'd like as well, hit us up. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we're happy to give anything a crack almost, eh? 
Yeah. What what's your what's your line in the sand on what won't you do? <laughs> um, I think like watch terrible shit. You know, like ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I you know. Yeah. Because I need so much watching time in the day, and I don't want to waste it on bad stuff. Yeah, and and um, opposite to watching terrible shit, have you guys seen The Lighthouse? Yeah, fuck, it's awesome, eh? Holy yeah. fuck. Watch that tonight, Dan. The Lighthouse is so fucking good. Movie? Yeah. Yeah, it's by the guy that did The Witch, which is also awesome. Oh, I did sure. not know it was by that that human being. Yeah. Which explains a lot. Fuck, stylistically and, I don't know, just overall, it's just fucking excellent film. Um... I want to do a whole episode where we speak like um, lighthouse keepers from whatever era that is. I'm terrible at accents. That's the bane of my life. Yeah. I'd be like, I reckon 30 to 40% funnier if I could do accents. Yeah, same. Sorry to our listeners. But if, yeah, so anyway, don't request that we do it. Let's get this fucking show on the road. i got to go eat my dinner. Um, so like, subscribe, do all those things. Uh, if you can be bothered, if you can't, that's okay too. Sign go up to, to the, the Patreon. Patreon page. $1 a month. One dollar a month, ten dollars a month, five dollars a month, whatever yeah. you want. Hook it up like the Hook It Up tour. Two thousand and three. Oh. <laughs> um, Bring in the right. music, Dan. Welcome back. A little bit older, a little bit uglier. We couldn't get another producer, so Dan's back as well. Look at, look at this, Dan. We can divulge all this now. This is what this is what tells me that you can get into. <laughs> I don't necessarily like him, but I respect him. Well, everyone needs jewelry. He's a maniac. Further to him cripple. This is an audio podcast, Dom. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Dan? You should do like a double intro. Yeah. All right. Tonight's guest is Christina Kavit. She is the founder of the Kindness Institute. And she also is Smokey the Bear. And on top of that, she's the owner of uh What's she own? A dog. Oh, a dog. Just um, the best she, dog in the fucking world, Todd. And runner up in Young New Zealander of the Year 2017 and 2014. Did I get that right? And she got an award from the Queen. Um, when, we're making you sound like a real sellout. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like a little bit lackluster, the enthusiasm, but really good. Well, it's hard place, when you're so. going back and forth like that. It felt, and like we, beast, yeah. it felt like the Beastie Boys. And we don't have to give it too much because you know we believe in you. Yeah. I do. And I believe in you, Todd. Thanks. But not Dominic. <laughs> yeah, like oh. it varies week to week. Do you feel like I need that more than he does? Definitely not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you think Todd's got enough self belief? <laughs> yeah, I reckon he's pretty strong. Hi, How was it meeting you. the Queen? Um, it was really great. She was actually really young looking. It's just all of a facade. You, you were know, late to the award ceremony, weren't you? <gasps> yes, that was so bad. We couldn't get the entrance into the um, like government house. We couldn't find the right entrance, and my mum was texting me like losing a shit. Like you're always late. This is the one fucking thing you shouldn't be late to. And then we had to walk. Well, I had to walk down the aisle in front of everyone was waiting for me, and go into this little room and um, 
What was the guy who used to run the National Party called? Um, John Key. No, the other one. Bill English? Yeah, Bill English was there because he was getting knighted on that day. Really? And I had to sit next to him. Oh, my did, goodness. Did he say, hello, Bill? Yeah, I did. I had to talk to him. Did you? And his wife and his son, who are mental health and mindfulness advocates. Well, I did you a would show be if you had to live with Bill English for the <laughs> entire life, wouldn't you? They're mental health advocates. You'd need it. Yeah, like his wife is a GP and is really big on um, mental health and meditation and was really yeah. weird. How to, how to clear some space in your mind if your husband's a fucking robot. <laughs> Don't you think it's bizarre though? And that, a like, knight, and a knight. That, they, yeah. that the National Party under his, I mean, he wasn't the leader during it, I suppose, but he was pretty high up, would have caused so much mental health Problems I know. And his son, like, you know, was just kind of university age and he, he was talking to me about he was trying to get into meditation and asking my advice and I was like, oh, shit, I think you need a bit more than my advice. Did you say to him, look here, little Willie English? <laughs> <laughs> what did you get your award for, Christina? Um, I think it was for... Service to youth and the community. And so can you tell our listeners in a little briefly what sort of services you've done to the youth in the community? Done to them. <laughs> what have you done to them? <laughs> what have you done to these kids? What are you <laughs> you've ruined them. You'd be better off asking them. Um, what have I done to them? I have... I started an organisation called NPH New Zealand that was about supporting kids who'd been orphaned and abandoned in Latin America. I lived over there in the Dominican and Haiti after the earthquake in 2010 and then set up um, a branch of that organisation where there's about 4,000 kids that we support all over Latin America. And... Um, then I started getting into yoga and meditation because I was um, losing my mind a bit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this stuff really works and started doing it with the kids and sneaking it into my classes and um, then brought it home. And that's actually where I met you guys, eh? When yeah. I started working with youth teaching mindfulness You tried to get me fired on so the first time we met. Was yoga was yoga contraband where you were working? You see, you're well, sneak, sneaking it in. I guess because it's Catholic and like very Catholic country. Like back then, I think that oh, yeah. yoga had a bad rap. You know, yeah, like right. people didn't really know what meditation was, but they thought yoga was like another religion. Yeah, right. Um, so Invoking I just started calling it relaxing. The relaxing exercise time and the kids How do you say that come, in Spanish? Um, el ejercicio relajando. That sounds, that sounds way better than yoga. And and sometimes, <laughs> but but sometimes you have to Trojan horse things you're doing with young people anyhow, eh? So mm. you know, like you got to sure. you got to reframe if you're trying to get a young person to engage with some therapy or something. You can't, oh, yeah. you know, you can't say, hey, you need to go to counselling. Or you can, but it's better to say, perhaps we could find a professional that you could talk to about some of these things. Mm, it's a lot of the job, eh, is just yeah. kind of 
uh, disguising things. <laughs> but I think that's the same with yoga and meditation, you know, like we don't go when into schools when we're getting rangatahi onto our program and be like, hey, do you want to come give up your weekends to meditate? Because they'd be like, fuck off. We just say, you know, we've got this program where you're going to learn how to deal with life when shit gets hard. Are you interested in that? And then once they form relationships with us and, and trust us and see it's that we're late. not weirdos. Yeah, and stage. once Chili bites them. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, your first statements bring me to another question, which is uh, after spending all that time with um, people who have been abandoned and orphan, how could you leave Dom like this? Have you seen his hair? <laughs> I know, it's rough, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just can't Have you see seen fucking Todd? Todd's hair? So I, like, forget that you can hear me. <laughs> Look at Todd's hair. My hair's... What hair? He's got that pink fucking rat tail at the back of his head. Do you, want me to, do you want me to give it some context? Yes, can I see? I can give it some context if you want. It's fucking ugly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's hideous. It's, it's like really. a... It's Holy like a, shit, Todd. Fucking stray cat's fucking tail or something. I didn't even know you could grow here, Todd. Yeah. Hey, could I interest you guys in some books? I've got a like bunch of cool books on me and um, a drum. <laughs> and, I, and I sing songs with my pals. There was a Harry Christian joke for um, context. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's actually quite a... <laughs> It's quite a it's quite a hairy haircut, isn't it? Dan just took his headphones out. He's like, oh, "Fuck this." Dan's getting so ignored. What's up, Dan? I haven't talked to you for years. I know. You keep um, not showing up to my studio. Sorry about that. That's okay. Oh, the, the two useless people meet. I appreciate you know you <laughs> offering a lot of support and not getting angry when I had to cancel quite a few Did, times. I reckon Dan was probably relieved when you didn't turn up. He's probably yeah. doing other things. <laughs> Designing his studio. He's got other shit to do. Hey, so can we get back to the Queen? Mm. I, I, have, I have a question about I the didn't meet the Queen. You know that. Oh, no, I didn't know that. But, yeah. well, that kind of ruins my question. But what Just I was going to say, yeah, when, when I was in prison, <laughs> in, in prison, you heard the term like jail. It's very similar, right? Like uh, prison, yeah. The Queen. Yeah. You heard the term, what do they call them? Like jail lawyers who are just prisoners who think they know heaps about the law from, like, going to court heaps. Yeah, so when you're in prison, and I, I, I think there might be some truth to it, but apparently you can be granted clemency from the Queen. So you had a lot of time to ponder that, and I guess I was wondering if the Queen would be interested in my assault with intent to injure charge, whether that was high profile enough and whether... <laughs> Whether she'd take me take interest in my case, and I was hoping if you'd met her, you'd have a gauge on that just in case um, I go back for that that car theft we got involved in the other week. Well, you know, you're only one degree of separation <laughs> from from her for, for Prince Charles, so you can put you. Oh, ah, little yeah. story about Prince Charles. Mm. Dominic and I and you when I we knew were all this work- is going to fucking come up. Oh, do you not want me to mention it? No, no, go on then. Yeah, bring it up. Um, it's just when, lies what you're about to say. It's the same thing. Oh, that's so funny because everything says lies. You're about to start um, saying lies. When we all worked for the same youth organisation. Look how excited you are to start lying to public. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a really solemn look on my face. Um, People should know we, that Christina's really trustworthy. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. That's okay. Todd, so are you. You're yeah. really trustworthy. Yeah, and like sincere. If, if 
I killed someone. You know, that person you've got to call a friend to help you bury the body. I'd totally call you. Yeah. The thing with that, though, is you think Todd would help. And I think from a moral standpoint, he'd have no problem helping you. But from getting his shit together, it might be the thing that... Yeah, like he... We'll make up your mind. He might just be like, I fell asleep. No, well, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I think morally, like, because, you know, the problem is that if, if you called... Um, some people they'd be like, I can't believe you've killed someone or I don't want to be implicated. Whereas I don't think you'd have a problem that way. No. I think that like if if it happened at your house, you'd be there if the spade like that. But I think if it meant driving across town or something, mm. you might be shit out of luck. Or if you had like, you know, someone someone was over at the house, you had a couple of beers. I'm I'm gonna I'm not even gonna pretend that Dom's not right about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because you're both so different. Like Todd would be morally like, whatever, you killed someone, I won't even ask you a question. But Dominic would be like, why did you do this? How did you get into this situation? But wouldn't be much help on the physical side. <laughs> <laughs> so what, you're saying I'm no help at all? No, you'd like provide some kind of like light entertainment. This is what my mum always says about me. Well, at least he's bloody funny, isn't he? Anyway, come on, let's hear, <laughs> let's hear the lies you said. Yeah, the, oh, the you want to hear the story. Prince Charles oh. story? Okay. Yeah. Dominic, I'm going to only tell the story if you don't interrupt. Of course I'm going to interrupt because you're going to start lying. <laughs> come on. I'm not going to tell lies. I'm not going to tell lies. So yeah. we were all working for this youth organisation and um, the director was overseas and she asked me if I could go and meet Prince Charles and take the rangatahi you know, to meet him and greet him when he came for for a visit because he does a lot of youth work, so we discovered. And um, I was talking to Dominic about it and I was like, I don't know, like this feels kind of immoral given that the kaupapa that we're trying to do, so many if not all of the negative impacts are due to colonisation, which Prince Charles, you know, is the beacon of. And I don't know what to do, but it could be a good opportunity to get funding, which we really need to actually support these kids. And Dominic was like, fuck that. If you go and meet Prince Charles, I'm going to break up with you. <laughs> I didn't say like, that. Like, no shit. No, no shit. No, I didn't. You were basically like, I won't be able to look you in the eyes if you go and meet with Prince Charles. And so I was like, oh, okay. I'm not, I can't do the Prince Charles thing. And then two days later... Dominic was like, oh, I'm doing the Prince Charles thing. <laughs> and he went and took the kids and met them himself. Oh, were you not there that day? No, I didn't go. Oh. Well, the reason why was because the kid that I was working with got really upset and and was being made to go and didn't want to go and so it was having and getting all stressed out. So I had to go and support them. Man, oh, I, yeah, I also yeah, yeah, had yeah. the worst fucking day that that's day. That's right. No, that's right. I remember you were so stressed. I was Pissed off, man. I was in for no, the same reason. Uh, a myriad of reasons, but I was in no mood to fucking fraternize with royalty that day. <laughs> Do you know what was another funny was, thing though. that happened <laughs> that day is that they had all that security at the town hall. There's all the security everywhere. There's all these guards, and they've got like sniffer dogs, and they're checking everywhere for bombs. And then the kids found this door at the back of the town hall that was just flapping in the breeze with no one there and they all went out there and smoking cigarettes and shit and I was like I don't, I don't know maybe I should tell the security like it was just like so fucking Mickey Mouse <laughs> was it kind of like that time you had to chase that kid like up and down Queen Street <sighs> we can't say the kids names I know um, yeah no it wasn't that time was quite stressful too 
it's a beautiful way that we all met and I'm so glad that we stayed such good friends. Yeah, me too. Well, me and Todd have already been friends for about 12 years at that point. Yeah, we're like in it for the long haul already. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like, I remember the moment of meeting both of you. Mm. Do you want to, thought, should we tell the listeners about how you tried to get me fired the first time you met me from the youth organisation that was changing my life? I don't think I knew about this. Well, because it's not true, Todd, as you know. So, so when, I, when, I, when, I started, when I started there, um, and it was the first time I'd had a job, basically, that wasn't fucking in a kitchen, and I was so excited, and, you know, and I was working there, and, I, and, then, and then I was getting all this positive feedback, and people were like, fuck, you're actually quite good at this job. And I was like, oh, my God, really? Um, maybe some hope in my life, because that's when I was real sick, too, so I was in quite a bad way. And then you on the last, last day, Christina just swans in. It's the first time I met her, and she just comes in and just takes over the whole room. You know how she does. And then, oh, look at this child here. And you do, 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 and it's going on. And then, and then um, she goes up to the director and says, I don't know about him at all. He's got a bad vibe about him. Yeah. And, and luckily. Okay. Let me chime in. Oh it makes two cents. <laughs> so. Dominic, we, you know, at the end of the day, we have that hooey and we all, it gets really emotional. and People start sharing quite vulnerable stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And um, during this hooey, people are like crying and shit. And Not Dominic. Me. Not me though. No, you, you'll never do that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you used to cry quite a lot. Really I'm nice. such a big cry. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I cried like just during a commercial before. Anyway, um, it was a virus. Dominic during <laughs> during this hui was on his phone, and he like didn't look up. And then he got up and left early. And so that's why I said, "Oh, what what's up with that dude's vibe?" Where, like, but where was I leaving to go? I'm not sure. A book launch. Book launch. Right. So he, he turns out he had a valid excuse. Anyway, yeah. this is probably this is probably boring. Um, podcast for everyone apart from us. Maybe not for the ones that can remember uh, the first <laughs> season where I was always complaining about Dom texting you while we were podcasting, Christina. Because <laughs> <laughs> now there's a running theme. <laughs> that, was, that was a good time. Do you guys remember who came up with the name for the podcast, How Not To Be An Asshole? Was it you? Yeah. Are you our name benefactor? Does she not tell oh, you? Yeah. She brings it up every time I see her. Oh, I don't. I just figured that I'd come up with it. <laughs> if I don't know, if I don't know the like real story behind something, I just credit myself. Fair <laughs> enough. Why not, eh? <laughs> yeah. You'll be um. You'll be stoked to know, Christina, that UFC's coming back this weekend. Oh. Yeah, they've been away for two months because of coronavirus, but now they're going to oh. risk, risk people's lives to. So men can cage fight. How are they getting away with that? Um, I think it's well, probably illegal and, or at least immoral. They can they can do it in Florida, and um, the CEO of UFC. Um, so speaking of morality again, the CEO of UFC is like quite good pals with Donald Trump. Um, really? Yeah. So he was like on some business committee. Him, that fucking maniac from WWE, Vince McMahon. They, him and Dana White were both on this panel Trump formed of like businessmen who were going to like nut out how to reopen the economy and shit. Just these maniacs <laughs> who like one of them runs a blood sport and the other just has like fake, like, I don't know, fake sport 
he's like, yeah, these are the great business minds of our times. <laughs> they met with Bill. They're good friends with Bill Gates. And Bill English. Yeah. <laughs> Lil, Lil Willie English. Oh, Dom, um, that reminds me. Can you tell the Epsom story you were going to tell when Chrissy was on? What one? Last week we are discussing Epsom or something related to Epsom and then you are like, oh, no, I can't say that. And you're like, I'll do it when Christina's on. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, for fuck's sake. Sorry. Sound like it was real juicy. Oh, no, maybe it was about David Seymour. Oh, yeah. Can we tell the David Seymour story, Christina? Or will that get you in trouble? Oh, you got all the goss on the politicians, eh? Look at us, royalty, politicians. <laughs> anyway, um... You don't so want to... That's a no, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you... Um, Sorry, but I've got... Todd, can I tell a... you something? Yeah, sure. When I... Last year, I went on this meditation retreat over New Year's and I convinced a friend of mine to come who has never meditated and is like, think that think that meditation is bullshit oh, and doesn't like prick. to, yeah, you know, um, yeah. connect to her feelings or anything like that. Yeah. And anyway, so she was super apprehensive. She's like, who the fuck's going to be there? Like, what kind of people are, am I going to have to spend a week with? And we turn up and the first person we see is your dad. Oh, my goodness. I know. Oh. Him and his partner. And he just like, said some crazy shit as you can imagine and oh. she look, just looked at me like what have you got me into Oh, I've... and so I spent a week with your dad but we were in silence lucky and yeah. <laughs> your dad loves a chat in fact it must have been hard yeah. for him yeah oh. he certainly chatted in the sharing circle at the end of the week that's for sure oh my goodness did he start off like so I had a whole week to think and did a lot of thinking. I have this brilliant son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said I spent the whole week thinking about my son and how perfect he is. Mm. I can I'd be a pretty good son to have. Yeah, I reckon you might have yeah, been like now. trying at times. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was like, so you had to, it was like fighting Justin Gaethje if you get out of the first round. <laughs> Oh, no, like fighting Conor McGregor. You know, someone who comes out blasting, they got to finish you in the first round. That's me as a son. But I, if you weather the early storm, then it, like, gets pretty good from there. What were you so, like as a son, Dan? No, I can't answer that. I don't know. You Your mum seems... Your idea. Were you a good, like, good teenager? Very, or a bad teenager? Surprisingly very quiet. <laughs> I reckon you would have been a prick of a teenager, though, wouldn't you? No. Secretive up to correct. shit. Dan, do you have yeah. siblings? No. Oh, I've got a half-sister. <laughs> you forgot about that one. But well, I've <laughs> only met her like once. Your mum, oh, seems, okay. your mum seems pretty fond of you though, Dan. She's, well, you would be if he's the only one. Yeah. Yeah, You've got, you got to put all your energy into me. Was that... <laughs> was that... Did she like you heaps more after Jacinda came to your house? Uh, she probably talked about me more. But I think she liked me just the same. Oh, yeah, good. That's good. You don't want your parents to love you for superficial reasons. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> like my parents who just love me because of my brilliance. Chris, do you think yeah. that... Um, so I guess at the beginning we sort of mentioned the mental health crisis and how Bill English and his mates were sort of partly responsible for it. Do you think it has improved at all <laughs> under our current administration? I think there's been a lot of great corridor about it. 
under mm. our current government. And I think it's awesome to have so much corridor around kindness and collective empathy and taking care of our mental health. And as you know, there was that mental health inquiry that the government did where they spent quite a lot of time going around hearing submissions on what we need to do to change our mental health system to support our community. And then they released a report of those findings and what they recommended to the government. And a lot of that was really great. And we, luckily enough, were invited to present a couple times and we got um, the country's largest submission. It was over 14,000 signatures of New Zealanders saying that they wanted to fund mental health and mindfulness training for young people throughout the country. And so in that report, they, they recommended to the government that they do include mindfulness, but we haven't seen any benefits from that so far. So I'm really still holding out and wondering where is all that money going from the mental health budget that was released because we know that certain organisations and DHBs were promised funds. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what are they going to do with those funds and is it going to be community-led? Um, How do you mean community-led? Well, rather than um, a lot of the time what happens when you get a chunk of funding is the bosses will decide what they're going to do and where that money is going to be spent. But the true change that we need with mental health needs to be decided by people with lived experience who are struggling with mental health. Yeah. So like yeah. designed in partnership with the community, like what we do with our rangatahi, you know, we ask them what they need and we've developed programs around that. So yeah, I think that we need to be investing money urgently in mental health. And of course, for me, I think that mindfulness is one of the most powerful things that we can be doing for our communities because it teaches us so many things about how to understand our emotions. And of course, like the people who are the most resilient are those who can understand their emotions. And right now we're not teaching any mental health skills to our young people, which is insane. Yeah, it's not... Strange for you, though, being in a situation where, you know, this is something that you've been into for a long time now and then suddenly it's become popular and not always with the best kind of people. And is it hard to navigate that, you know what I mean, to, to talk about mindfulness and meditation, but to also not be like, but we're not these kind of full of shit kind of... You, you know, mean like corporations grifters. like... Yeah, corporations. I think there's a lot of grifters that sort of use that as a way to sort of take money and attention from people. Um, who don't really give a fuck about them or their mental health or who don't have the training to deal with things that will come up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of that shit going on for sure and that's why it's important to partner with organisations who are evidence-based, you know, and know what they're doing. Um, And, yeah, as you said, like when I started the Kindness Institute, I guess we had our first pilot in 2014 and then started properly in 2016. It was such a hard sell. Nobody wanted to support mental health. They would literally say, we can't fund you because we don't support mental health. And it's really, I'd say, only in the last like year that people have started going, okay, we've just opened up a mental health arm of our funding. We'll consider supporting you now. And you don't need to sell mindfulness anymore because people understand there's so much 
evidence and research that it works and that it's so cost effective as well. So we're in a really amazing position to make change, but I think we need to have less talk and pe- more people on the ground actually having the resources they need to do the mahi. Let's yeah. talk more Go- money. Going, going back to um, that idea of things being community-led, because they did the same thing with justice, the new government. They were like, all right, we're going to have a big uh, hui on justice and justice reform, and we're going to ask people from community groups, people with lived experience, you know, what the solutions are, what's needed, blah, blah, blah. And anyhow, I think the easiest way to explain what community-led means and how it's been, how it's been broken is that if you've ever lived in a poor community where there's a lot of these problems, then you will have encountered someone who without any resources and just out of necessity and their own initiative is taking care of these things. So the solutions exist within the communities out of necessity and that's where the, the problems are really understood. And but except no resources often reach these people or not enough resources reach these people within the communities that have the actual solutions because they know their people and um, and the ways around things. So, um, yeah, same thing. And, like, it's just all the money, like, it, it, how do I describe this? It's like um, the systems in place kind of over top of the communities and nothing comes from underneath from the community if that makes Mm -hmm. sense yeah for sure that makes total sense well i think there's an arrogance right where people feel like they know best Mm. you know people these sort of like um bureaucrats but really you don't know shit (laughs) yeah and you're contending like to have a truly successful approach to mental health in Aotearoa, like we're contending with so much of this like toxic masculinity, right? And it's Mm. so entrenched in our culture that we've got to break that down first with our kids. Like as you guys know from from working with the Rangatahi, like one of the first things that we need to support them with is to learn that it is okay to be vulnerable being vulnerable is not a weakness. Actually, the most vulnerable people are the most resilient and the most successful. And unlearning all that bullshit around being a man means that you're tough and, and practical and you can, you know, work on the land and you don't cry. And for girls as well, like our young girls, of course, that impacts them. So there's a lot of mahi to be done around breaking down the patriarchy when you're working with youth as well. And, Mm. you know, it's interesting running an organisation because you are talking to people to try and get funding from who may or may not understand these concepts. But at the nature of what you're doing, it has to be political in that way. Yeah. And it's... um, Fuck, what was I going to say? Here's a bit you can edit out later, Dan. (laughs) Dan's not even listening. What's going up there in the corner of your room, Dan? Uh, that's my computer. Oh, um, fuck, what was I going to say about toxic masculinity? Well, I can jump in here anyway. Yeah, you jump in, Todd. Um, this where, this where my organisation here, uh, we have like a huge advantage over competitors is that all our facilitators, our male facilitators, look really tough but are really gentle 
and <laughs> comfortable with being vulnerable. So when we go in, because like one of the one of the guaranteed every time if they want us to work with a group of young men, they're like, oh, they're into violence and glorifying violence and they want to be tough. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's just like bread and butter shit. Like that's the easiest shit to fucking like address with young men uh, from the from the position we're coming from because they kind of look at us and they're like, oh, those guys look kind of scary and tough or whatever they think of us. And then we can say to them, nah, that's nonsense. That's what we got taught and it mm. didn't like lead anywhere great for us. And this is a really nice way of living your life by being gentle and kind to others. And, mm. and that's like one of the reasons why I love you, Todd, you know, because like you look the way you do and then you like cry over like a kid saying something really beautiful because it moves you and that shit's so powerful. Like even you just being you can inspire our young people, you know? Mm. Speaking and also of- that you've been on that journey, you know what I mean? Because you weren't always like that... Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm. So that, but that's that's what you can speak to that. Yeah, we. I was speaking of kids and crying, man. Have you have you ever watched The Wire, Christina? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I've been I've, to Baltimore. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I just finished season four, and I forgot how fucking heartbreaking it is, especially now because I'm just watching it at the moment. Oh. And you, you know, and seeing the kids in a situation, you like. You just want to you want to help them, and when I when I watched it the first time, obviously I wasn't thinking like that at all. Yeah, but do you and, reckon but, that like this is becoming like a Baltimore review, um, the Wire podcast a little bit? I would love to do a Wire review podcast. <laughs> we might do it one day if listeners are pro that, then let yeah, us know because because we'd happily do that. But those that group of teenagers that enter in season four are so brilliantly written, acted. Um, the dynamic between them all is so they're so such real people. Mm. Like each character um, is like a person you've encountered before, and it's crazy. And then it's so sad. And then uh, we probably shouldn't diverge too far with this. But then I just watched the episode where Bubbles tries to kill himself in the in the interrogation room. It's yeah. like holy shit, that's so dark. Not bubbles. Yeah, David Simon, man, such an incredible writer. When we were in Baltimore, um, me and Chrissy went there and trained with this group, the Holistic Life Foundation, mm. um, who do this incredible work there in the hood and um, have just changed the whole area. For, like doing mm. basically what we do is like a sort of microcosm of where they're at because they have. That's been, like where a lot of it, the inspiration for our COPA came from is seeing what they're doing working with kids who have PTSD just because they live in Baltimore because it's like a war zone. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's getting shot and locked up and they are changing everyone's lives through yoga and meditation. And now like instead of joining a gang, you've got another job opportunity, which is becoming a yoga teacher. And it's insane. Like Harvard and John Hopkins are researching them, but they had a connection to the wire because they're they're, They like saw their houses on the show. Yeah, right. And they grew up there and they, and we were talking to them, um, one of the guys, and he was saying that um, we're asking about who, who's real. Cause you know, lots of those characters are based on real people. Yeah. And we're like, what about Omar? And they're like, yeah, Omar's real. He's, he's dead now, but they're saying that. um, And was he really gay? Well, that's just because he was saying that, um, 
he kept on telling everyone that he wasn't gay. And he was like, man, we know you're gay. Plus it's on the show. Like, you can't, everyone knows that you're gay. And he was like, you know, he kept on saying, he always said that he wasn't. Uh, and that, who was maybe. that character that they said, like, they invited him to their wedding and he turned up wasted? That was the Omar. Act- that was the Omar. Oh, that was Omar, yeah. Oh, no, that was an actor, eh, from it. Michael K. Williams. It was the actor, the, the cop. Oh. Um, Bunk. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not actually totally sure about that. I don't want to explain w- the Bunk's w- name. I would believe that because he does a good job of acting drunk on the show. <laughs> but All to come... <laughs> yeah, he does actually. I was just thinking it the other day. Her man McNulty, so good. The work that they do, like I remember when we, we walk into this hall, like a huge gymnasium, and there was, I don't know how many, I mean, it must have been over 100 kids just all doing like a perfect yoga sequence. You know, and, and where they were, like driving there in the Uber, like it was like being on the set of The Wire. Yeah. You know, and I think that's when it really clicked to me that this stuff could change people's lives for real you know it's not just Mm. some busy work that you're doing with the kids to distract them in the way that a lot of school is it's like shit if they can really learn these tools um you know like it's it can be incredible and and it can stay with them you know that's what i really learned from them is like these kids are going home to really fucked up situations and you know their houses their schools like all filled with bullet holes and it's not safe to be out on the street. And um, they learning these tools to calm themselves from the inside, like no matter what shit's going on at home, if you know how to do that, that's something that no one can take away from you. Mm. Yeah, how do that? This leads me back to something I wanted to ask before, actually, which is going back to grifters and whatnot and just kind of how would you describe kind of the appropriation of like Eastern philosophy and culture? And, you know, is there like a very distinct line between you using it for good, like the people we're discussing in Baltimore yourself, and just is it as soon as like you're doing it for profit, then perhaps you shouldn't be doing that? Or is there some other lines finer? Is there a clearer distinction between this being, and like, and what respect do you need to pay to where it comes from and Mm. who created it and that sort of thing? That's a really good question. Um, Journalist of the Year. I think that um, there is, I mean, we talk about this a lot, how mindfulness was, as I said before, such a hard sell. Nobody wanted to hear about meditation. They thought it was the most woo-woo shit. And now it's like such a buzzword that you can't stop hearing about it, right? And Mm. corporations and everyone's kind of using it sometimes for the purpose of increasing productivity and increasing revenue, not necessarily always for the purpose of increasing hoarder and well-being. Um, So, yeah, it's super interesting. But the thing about the corporation stuff is like a lot of people who because I've done some work you know in that space to raise money for the kindness Mm. institute and um I've kind of not always enjoyed it like I remember being asked to go to McDonald's to speak (laughs) and I was like wow this is like the epitome of everything I hate and so I turned it down 
but I did some other places and I thought, you know, maybe one day I would do the McDonald's thing because so many people who have come to our programs have been like, after we came to your thing, I quit my job. You know, after I started practicing meditation, I realized what's important and I stopped letting people treat me like shit at work or whatever. And, and that's awesome when people can get that clarity from the practice. But yeah, I think like what we're trying to do is, you know, help people to see that yoga meditation, it's always associated with wealth and studios and like, mm-hmm. you know, skinny white people doing yoga poses on Instagram. And it was actually developed thousands of years ago as a survival tool. And that's what we're using it for. It's being used to save lives and it works. So we're trying to take that stigma out and say like, this shit should be accessible for everyone. It's free. Like you don't need to be white. You don't need to be rich to practice this. And you deserve to learn these tools just as much as anyone else. Yeah. Should I, should I let people who are um, doing breath work make me angry? Or should I meditate on that and um, <laughs> just chill out about it a bit? I don't even know what breathwork is. I feel you. Uh, so, so you're supposed to. You should. I should have asked you to look this up actually, because you have to see it. And it's all these fucking wankers, and they breathe real deep, and then they like try and access their trauma or whatever, and they start like screaming and crying and doing all this weird shit. Um, and it just if if you search breathwork and Instagram, look at like all the profiles that come up and you know exactly who's doing this. But so Dominic you... actually has, you have a, a friend, a good friend who does this, Dominic. Um, and yeah, like I understand 100% what you're saying, Todd, but I've never done it. But there's, I guess, two sides to every story. Like there's people who you would never imagine would ever connect to what's going on inside themselves who've done that kind of thing and tell me that, you know, they've, they understand what's going on inside of them and are going to make some changes in their life. So I guess it's just all about the intention behind it, right? Yeah, I think. I, I think yeah. also like from having a chronic illness and, you know, having a real struggle with anxiety when I was younger, you get to the point where you just try anything. And I've definitely tried things that I've thought were bullshit. And I've definitely tried things that I thought were bullshit and then turned out to be fucking incredible and life-changing. Mm. And so, I mean, even yoga, I didn't. I never thought yoga was bullshit, but I definitely wasn't a fan of it, you know what I mean? Um, I thought yoga was bullshit and meditation. Well, yeah. see, I used to do it when I was a kid. My mum used to make me do it. Or not make me, but used to do it with me sometimes. And so that I knew it was all good, but yeah. I guess it's up to everyone to make their own discernment, right? But if you go, yeah. if you go watch some videos of people doing breath work, it smacks of like the Pentecostal churches where people are like touching people's heads and they're like flying mm. through the crowd like and fake shit. martial arts. Yeah, it looks exactly the same as that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it pisses me off. And I just yeah, there's there's a lot of appropriation of stuff in that yoga meditation community mm. as well, like. It's the same with hip-hop, though, right? I was having this conversation with someone the other day about hip-hop and just saying how um, when I was doing that, you because, know, you know, like some people are like, oh, you're appropriating other people's culture with rap music and stuff. And I was saying that that doesn't even occur to me because it was just something that you did mm. that was, it was, 
you know, obviously we knew it came from the States, we knew it was predominantly African-Americans that were making it, but, you know, when we were making that music and rapping and doing all that stuff, it was, as kids and shit, it was just something that you did. It was like the same as uh, any other art form except that we could afford to do it because we didn't need to buy a guitar or paints or anything. You just yeah. could... Yeah, I think it was, I, I was probably, I don't know, making rap music for a good, I don't know, 10 years or something before the thought even occurred to me that, oh, I'm white. And, um, you know, just because it was something that had, like, occurred naturally in my life and connected with me. And I had those, I had those like, uh, reflections by myself much later on in life where I was like, oh, is it appropriate for me to be doing this? Um, what are my motivations? You know, that sort of thing. It was way later after I'd just been doing it for a long time, but... But even then, like, you know, when you were making it, like, I guess it comes to, you know, like how you know, you'd meet someone and you'd automatically know if this person was legit or not. And, mm. you know, and not to use, like, you know, we even used to talk about being real hip-hop or whatever, that sort of, like, stupid term, but it was kind of true in a way. And I think it's the same with, you know, like, kind of spirituality or yoga or, my, you know, like, you meet someone and you just automatically can tell why they're doing it, regardless of, you know, what class that person's from or age or... or wherever you know like yeah i think it's sure. kind of it just reminds me but and just when i was having that conversation with that person the other day it made me think you know it was quite similar it does it does all come back to the intention of the person practicing whatever it is they're practicing right yeah and i guess it's like what you're saying chrissy about it being like for survival sometimes for people as well and it's yeah it's quite hard to criticize that if someone if that's the reason for someone doing something yeah for sure and it's like you know like People come up against so much criticism. If they find something that works for them, go for it. Like, as long as you're not hurting anyone or appropriating or disrespecting, like, yeah. But I think so often learning these skills is considered, like, so woo-woo or soft skills or, you know, like, um, really not essential. But for mm. a lot of us, it's really critical. Uh. And... I think that these kind of skills, they have to be given the same importance that all other subjects are in school um, and made accessible to kids and adults who aren't, you know, in mainstream because how can we expect our young people to achieve or succeed at anything if they can't understand their minds? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. And do you think that's why, like... Um like the Māori Kopapa schools or kūtas, like, um, have sort of seemed to embrace it, like, a lot easier than, like, the... Po yeah, the like, kūta Kopapa, you know, and in, in my experience, they just get it. Like, mindfulness is part of te ao Māori already. Like, it's such an important part of it, whether you call it mindfulness or you call it karakia, you know, it's there. And, um, yeah, the kūta Kopapa model is so supportive and holistic mm. of of the kids overall well-being you know it focuses on like everything in your being is your health it's not just this individual perspective it's a collective like how can we support you to be your best self and we're going to do that from all areas could you briefly tell the listeners about um Fare Tapa Fa? yeah as a, as a um, concept 
Sure, I mean, I'm well, I, I not just can't, expert, I just, No, no, but, but just as a basic concept, because I felt like I'd never yeah. really heard of it until we, until you sort of taught it to me, and I think it's been really, really interesting and helpful. It is like it's so. Um, it's the best. It's the best kind of way for to base your house because it makes sense. So, Te Whare Tapafa is this amazing. Um, Kaupapa Māori model of health and it's a way of looking at your overall health. So it's like the whare, the house, has these four walls and you need every single wall to be strong and the house will fall over. So each uh, wall of the house represents a different element of your health that you need to be strong. So tahatinana, your physical health, tahawairua, your spiritual, tahahinengaro, your mental health, and to have farmer, your social, and then people also use um, uh, finoa, like the land and your connection to land as well, is a really important one that's, you know, some people use. And um, yeah, the idea is that to feel good, you want all of those walls strong. Like if your tinana, if your physical health is lacking, then the house is going to fall down. But if your wide or your spiritual house is lacking, it's going to fall down as well. So finding ways, like we work with our rangatahi, to find ways to understand what's going on for each of those taha. And we always ask them, like, which taha, which which element are you most connected to today? Which one do you need to strengthen? And, yeah, I reckon for all of us, eh, like the, the staff mm. as well, it's been such a great way to understand how to take care of ourselves. I think the, f- the, f- the first thing that's really striking when you come across that is uh, what is lacking and what is addressed in a Western education system, which right. is almost everything in that model, right? So with, with our work, and, I've, and uh, we're still developing our workshops and stuff, but the thing I almost always begin with after we like look at connection in our first session, the ne- very next one is identity. And just from my own experience and from a lot of the young people we deal with, I'm like, have like, you know, have you ever had a discussion about identity before? You know? Has that even ever come up? Because it didn't for me and mm. um and a lot of the young people we work with and just fucking gaining understanding of self is just so important to everything else. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, ed- the education systems that operate uh, in these parts of the world don't address any of that. Like, there's there's zero uh, reflecting on who we are, what makes us who we are, how we respond to things. Just everything branches off from that. And I guess... Yeah, including those concepts into education would uh, just vastly improve the... Because, the, like, what is education? We're supposed to be nurturing young people through their childhood into adulthood. And how are you supposed to do that without reflecting on these things? Absolutely. How are you even supposed to pass your class or stay in school if you can't reflect on those things. Like if you don't have strong social connections, you know, all of those elements, you're not going to be able to stay in school. And it's cool. Like, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of amazing, amazing kaiko and teachers out there who just 
use these kind of kaupapa Māori models, whether they're kūra kaupapa or not. And um, to even talk about te hawaido, like the spiritual element in a school setting is amazing, I think, like, and understanding what that what that means to you. Like, spirituality doesn't need to be religion. Like, your spirituality might be your music or mm. running or whatever it is. Mine's running at the moment. Do you want to do a Do you want to do a pop quiz, Christina? Uh, yeah. How much do you know about Boris Johnson? Um, that he nearly died. Okay, we'll do a quick fire Boris Johnson quiz. No, I don't know anything. Is Boris? No, we're died. doing it. Stop. Is Boris Johnson dead? <laughs> Unfortunately, not. Yeltsin or Johnson? Um, can't answer. Did he fuck a pig? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, well done. I think you aced that pop quiz. It was the other <laughs> one that fucked you. a pig, wasn't it? David the, Cameron. Yeah. But I just oh, put but, that in there because I assume they all have true, all those jokes. It's a ritual that, thing, eh? Mm, yeah. Black Mirror episode. I wonder if Prince Charles had to fuck a pig because he probably went to Ooh. the same schools as those people. Well, you know, we're fraternised with Prince Charles and what about his brother hanging out yeah. with... Yeah, the Epstein. Do you know about that, Chrissy? Yeah. Prince Andrew and Epstein and... Man, he's nasty. Did you see that interview with him? Yeah, so weird, right? That's the wildest shit out. Talking about like he didn't have sweat glands or something because of trauma in the, in, at the time he served in the war. But then they came back. Yeah, they returned. What did the sweat glands have to do with it? Well, so I think uh, the woman who had accused him of, um, I'm not too sure on the specifics, but she had accused him of some sexual assault or something of that nature, had mentioned something about his sweat or something. And so he'd said, I couldn't sweat at the time because I'd had this traumatic experience in serving in the military, and but now I can sweat again. Or some weird shit is so fucking weird and creepy. So this PR organisation organised it to try and sort of get him to clear his name. Oh, but then, that's right. And it oh, went so badly that they... Yeah, they've got they've got fired the next day. <laughs> Why can't, Real PR disaster. What some PR like seems like a very I don't know, just a industry of hacks. Because whenever someone has a crisis, that seems to like I don't know at least fifty percent of the time they put the wrong message out or something. They just I wonder though. Shout, like, I wonder shout though. Shout out to Kirsten Matthew though, yeah. Maguire, who has supported all of us in, in our career. She's and also, I wonder, it's like you probably only hear about the ones that go wrong, right? But what about all the times yeah. you've been manipulated by... Um, right. You know? You're like, oh, that's that a, person's actually all right. What a great apology. Or That's a really good, yeah. good point. Oh, I went to this crazy um, women's conference in Auckland last year where this the ex-VP uh, of Nike gave a talk. And she was talking about like those PR disasters and how you can use terrible things that happen in order to like make your business and your corporation look better. And she was talking about um, a plane crash, like a faulty thing that happened and lots of people died. And immediately the airline turned around and was saying, we're so sorry, we love everyone. Like we're going to give you free vouchers. And she was using that as an example of like how great what a great thing to do for your business, to treat oh. people in that way. And she was saying things like, <laughs> we need to treat them, 
like we being the 1% need to treat them like everyone else in this way and use them to manage our campaigns. And she was using Nike's um, body positive campaign as an example. Like we got all of them, our followers, to advocate for us. Like when we posted photos of fat models and people would have fat phobic comments, we didn't need to defend ourselves because our followers did and that's what you want. And it was the most evil shit. Like so many people got up and left and it was supposed to be a woman's empowerment conference. Jesus Christ. Um, speaking of evil, evil corporations, apparently, you know, Wilson Car Parks? Mm-hmm. Do you guys know much about them? No. No. Um, Wilson Car Parks are owned by the same people that build the um, camps in Nauru and uh, where Australians uh, dump, uh, uh, what's the correct term, people seeking refuge in Australia. Um, so they they own those as well, but apparently they've been like, oh, no one's parking in our car parks. We need some government money <sighs> to fucking get by. And it's important that people know who Wilson car parks are because car parks seem pretty innocuous and helpful, like, you know. <laughs> Unless you, unless your car gets locked in one, then you already hate Wilson car parks. But I don't know that they seem helpful when it's twenty eight dollars for half an hour and yeah, the CBD. Yeah, <laughs> as, a, as someone that's quite new to driving, I fucking hate car parks. Well, I always it's dreamt really of I always dreamt of owning one because I was like, look, you just buy all this concrete, people pay yeah. to use it, and then you just got someone that water blasts it or something, and that's what Dan can do. Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Do you want to go halves in a car park, Dan? He's got a successful Just a bit of water blasting every now and then. <laughs> um, patrons get free parking in our car park, Dan and I build in Onehunga. Patrons get a free Dan, water blasting. <laughs> are you still living in Onehunga, Dan? Yep. He owns his Same fucking place. house. He's a homeowner. Yeah. Woo, look at you. Yeah. And um, what have you been doing with your life? Hmm. This Haven't been out question. for about a month. Been in lockdown. Yeah. Nothing else, really. What have you been doing that's um, enjoyable? Working with um, musicians on lockdown. Chrissy's, awesome. Chrissy's worried because she listened to your answer about experiencing joy last week. Oh. So she's concerned about you. Yeah, it's a bit you. worried. <laughs> Don't be worried. I want to make sure you get you have some enjoyment, Dan. Hey, Chrissy. What are you going to say? Get the help I need. Chrissy, speaking <laughs> of um, hiding dead bodies, are you in Raglan at the moment? Yes. Okay, because I, I was looking at the podcast charts last week and, like, there's lots that are ahead of us that piss me off. But I got a new one this week, which isn't, like, I'm not pissed off for a political reason. It's more of just an insult to, to my esteem. And the podcast that is beating us on the podcast charts is the Raglan Surf Report. Oh, that makes sense. How many people could possibly be fucking listening to that? You know that surfers listen to the surf report even when they're not able to go surfing. Yeah, they're fucking assholes, aren't they? (laughs) Maniacs. There's a real real, uh, issue down here. The Raglan local community page is upset with all the people coming down here to go surfing during lockdown, uh, and yeah. they're blaming the Aucklanders. So, of course, 
I really liked Raglan when we went down. I went down and visited Chrissy. It's a, it's a great place. Because the only time Aww. I've been there before, well, recently before that was when I played this gig there, and it was fucking terrible. It was one of the worst gigs I've done in a long time. Yeah, you told me not to move here based on your experience of that gig. It was really awful. Like, it was just, yeah, I won't go into it too much. Do you, play the, do you play the Yacht Club? Yeah. Well, I guess they it's like... They didn't want to hear any poetry that night, I'll tell you that much. I'd, I'd implore anyone who's performing shows around New Zealand to never play Hamilton, and I guess Raglan is almost an extension of Hamilton, so you could And your hometown's just... not too flash either. I've had some good shows there. I've had some terrible shows there as well. But if you just wanted to, like, knock out all of Waikato from your touring schedule... <laughs> oh my god disagree there's so many amazing people down here and they oh, need their yeah lots of great people but they guaranteed just... some fucking idiots will turn up to your show unlike Auckland eh yeah man yeah but I don't know like yeah Auckland's not the best for shows but at least this people kind of largely know how to behave in a fucking communal setting in Auckland at a at a live <laughs> show you go down to fucking Hamilton and people, it's like they've just been let out of the house for the first time. They're all like, <laughs> all their backstories are bad boy Bobby and they just like realise that the gas mask isn't real and they've gotten outside and now they can fucking go mental. Or they've just, or everyone there has just seen 8 Mile for the first time. So you're not looking for many um, Waikato listeners? We actually, we actually, that's our second highest outside of Auckland. Nice. And as I said before, now that you bring that to my attention, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of good, lot of good people there. <laughs> I lived, I lived there for a while. I was, did, did you? Yeah, I was like uh, pretty much homeless in Hamilton for like six months. And I had a gang of teenagers, kind of like the kids from season four of The Wire, and they shoplifted stuff for me, and that's how I survived. Sweet. You yeah. hear that, Dan? Yeah, I'm taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I wonder if I could find them. I wonder if they're listening right now, that big podcast listeners. Yeah, that's probably who's listening in the Waikato. <laughs> Should we wrap Are up? Are you guys? Hey. Oh, sure. No, yeah. no, you go, Chrissy. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, are you guys excited about the Trans-Tasman bubble? Maybe Todd will finally come oh, visit. Well, I can go do my tour. Yeah, so Don so can come here. Cancel. I was meant to tour and then it got cancelled. I got another big tub of peanut butter too, Dom. So Yeah, boy. So that'll be here when you come. But yeah, I saw that today, Chrissy. It made me feel pretty good because I was trying to come home just before all this went down because got so much catching up to do back home and it made me pretty sad. But yeah, so... See, well, we, we could do a We could do a live show again. Yep. Oh, yeah. like the fundraiser show. Yeah, except we don't, that? we don't need to raise funds now. Yeah, we've got patrons. Oh, yeah, you're Our rich glorious, now. You live in Australia. Patrons. Yeah. Hey, How many have you got? 30-something. Awesome. P- pretty good, eh? So good. 32 hey, t- amazing people. To wrap Congratulations. Up, to wrap up the podcast, this episode, special episode, Christina, um... I'd, oh, we should also mention that time at Christmas when I called your mum a nerd. 
But that, but that's not how I wanted to wrap up. Um, Why did you call her a nerd? Something about maths. She kept on talking about maths, and then she you, couldn't keep talking about maths. <laughs> and then you and Claire and the two bottles at the neighbours. Yeah, because yeah, they were playing Dave Dobbin. Yeah, um, I thought perhaps it'd be Take appropriate. It'd be appropriate to wrap up this episode. You guys finally get a chance for a do-over, and you get to like. To break the news of your guy breaking up to me because you were supposed to do it together originally. <laughs> so now you have okay. an opportunity to show me what it would have been like. That's interesting. So many years later, Todd, to request that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but We've moved I on just, with our lives, Todd. I, I, I do want to say that we both have new at partners. the time when we broke up, I was like, we need to call Todd and tell him together. Like a like it's like parents separating, you know, the mm. child needs to know. Yeah. And Dominic was like, Nah, you can do it. <laughs> no, I haven't at all. As you kept on asking me when I was working or I had stuff on, you're like, let's ring Todd now. And I was like, I'm doing something. So do you guys you, now you guys have an opportunity to make it right. Well, okay. I think you just heard like what it would have been like. No, let's make it right. Yeah, go. Todd. Todd, you know how much we love you. Yeah, sure. Why? What Don't are we dominate? We've got some bad news, Todd. Well, what? Todd, it's not bad good news. news. What happened? It's going to be. It's going to be a good thing for all is, of us. Is um, so Kristen finally like master disco? Is that the? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh-huh. We're going our um, separate ways, Todd. We're going our separate ways, but we want to stay. All want to stay close and hope that. Hope that we can stay a family. You kind of promised me, Chrissy, that you wouldn't let me leave me with the responsibility of <laughs> Dom's like degenerating health. Oh my god, Dominic! Did you know this? Todd would always say to me, like, when he get drunk, like, Chrissy, you can't break up with Dominic because then I'll have to be the one looking after him when he's old in a wheelchair, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> Lucky you got, but lucky you got that big strong boyfriend now who can help help out. Oh yeah, he's so helpful. He loves Dominic. He's so so strong. perfect. Would he, would he carry him to the bathroom? Christina really upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I'd see I'd see a video of him shirtless yesterday doing some shit in the backyard. Could you pause I, was like, oh. I was like, well, different physical specimens. Everyone's into different <laughs> stuff. Everyone's got their own pros and cons. Yeah. And we both also ended up dating like really nice people as well, like mm. lovely people. That's good. Instead of yeah, the two of us being super nice too. As Dom so Dominic's mother says, at least he's funny. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Oh, let's leave it on that. <laughs> Thanks, Chris o. Thank you guys. That went so quick. Thanks, Chrissy. Just flew by. So nice to see you, see you Todd, and yeah. see you, Dan. Miss you guys. Miss you too. Thank see you, you guys so much. It Thank was an you. honor. Thank you. See ya. Bye.